The newly released inflation report found that prices rose at a breathtaking pace, 8.6%, the highest in over 40 years. Anger is spreading across the country as working people struggle to afford the basic necessities in life as fuel, food, and other essential commodities become increasingly unaffordable. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. We are very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolf is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. Well, Professor Wolf, I mean, the inflation report showed that this had reached record highs last seen in December 1981. Let's just start off by talking about how widespread the problem is, how bad the problem is, what effect it's having on ordinary people and the economy. And then we can get a little bit into what could potentially be done about it, both what the Federal Reserve and the Biden administration is planning to do about it and how this crisis could actually be resolved in the interests of working people. But please go ahead and just explain, like, how bad has this problem gotten? The problem is severe, and anyone who suggests otherwise is um, at best ignorant and at worst trying to deceive the public, which in this case is very hard to do, because if you visit the supermarket or the department store or the drugstore or any other store, you'll see what's going on. The inflation is very, very bad. It is particularly bad on the most important parts of any family's budget. Uh, The fuel that runs their car, heats their home, energizes their appliances. On the one hand, food without which they cannot live on the other, and many, many other things as well. The current estimate of the government, 8.6%, is widely believed to be an underestimate, if anything, of what is actually going on. And let's face it, it is another in a series of major failures of the American capitalist economic system. I mean, you can play games and dance around this fact, but it stares you in the face and hits you over the head literally every day. Let me explain. We are one of the richest countries in the world. We have one of the most developed medical industries in the world. 
and we have done an absolutely terrible job of containing, managing COVID. We have lost a million people dead, many millions injured with the so-called long COVID, promising to produce medical problems for millions for years into the future. And as those people cross 65 and become Medicare eligible, it will be a financial burden on this society that almost no one is facing up to as I speak. At the same time, over the same two-year period, 2020 and 2021, we had the second worst crash of our economic system, second only to what happened in the Great Depression of the 1930s, a century ago. Over 80 million Americans suffered unemployment at some point over the last two years, some for a few weeks, some for many months. This is a savage blow to the economic security, savings, self-esteem of the mass of the American people, the overwhelming majority. As if it weren't bad enough, we had the COVID disaster and the economic crash at the same time, each worsening the other. And this is something we've never gone through. So you might imagine that having two really bad years like that, this would be a system on double, triple alert not to continue hammering its working class. Well, if you did think that, you were wrong. Why? Starting in the middle of 2021, we began having an inflation, a process of price increases as the employer class, because that's the people who set the prices of goods and services produced in the United States, the private sector employers, maybe 1% of the American people, began raising prices. And they've raised their prices ever since. The inflation got worse. And let me drive home that not only is this something done by a 1% of the people in the employer class and imposed on the 99% of us who are not in a position to raise prices because we don't occupy employer positions. Not only is it grossly undemocratic, but it is really hammering the standard of living of the working class. I'll give you just a couple of statistics to drive that point home. Number one, wages are rising at about 4% on average. Millions of workers are not getting 4%. Meanwhile, all of us have to pay 8.6% on average higher prices for everything we buy. Well, that means our wage increases are falling far short of what we would have to pay in higher prices, which means we end up worse off. And here's another statistic that drives this home. Eight and a half percent is the rise on the average. Grocery prices, 
the cost of eating your food at home after you buy it in the store has gone up 11%. But household spending on food to be cooked and eaten at home has only risen 4% over the last year. Aha, that's proof that Americans are buying less stuff, paying higher prices so they can afford less. Or they're shifting from the higher priced goods to the cheaper ones. You might summarize this as the shift from hamburger to hamburger helper, from meat, which is expensive, to grain, which is cheap. You are therefore hurting the diets of the American people, including the children for whom it is not healthy to do this. Not that it's healthy for anyone. And the last kind of nail in the economic coffin we have been stuck into, the government is planning, and indeed, two o'clock on uh, June 14th will be the next time that we will have been told how much interest rates are going up as the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, which means that the working class suffering, as I've just described, an unbelievable three years now, 2020, 2021, and 2022, of extraordinary failures of the capitalist system to provide them with food, clothing, shelter, decent income, decent job, a security, and an ability to live. And we're now going to make it more difficult for them to carry debts. Credit card debt will rise with rising interest rates. Your monthly payment on your credit card will go up. Your monthly payment, if you want to buy a car or a home, will go up. If you're a student, renewing your student loans, let alone increasing them, will cost you more. I mean, it's a level of attack on your working class that has no precedent and has no justification. And since you mentioned the Federal Reserve, the name of our central bank here in the United States, let me remind everyone, that bank, the Federal Reserve, that government agency, has been in existence over 100 years. Its job, I will quote you now from what it says, its job is to maintain price stability, keep prices stable, and keep people working. Well, its ability to keep prices stable, I don't have to comment on. It is a complete and total failure. And we ought to wonder what it means that we leave our economic fate in the hands of a system and its institutions that are so poorly working. Yeah, Professor Wolf, I mean, let's dig into that history a little bit more. I mean, since this is the worst inflation since 1981, I mean, let, let's talk about what the Fed did, how the Fed responded to that inflation crisis. Correct me if I'm wrong, but essentially it, it was Volcker shock, right? What became known as Volcker shock, named after the head of the Federal Reserve at the time, who dramatically raised interest rates 
in order to get inflation under control. But in doing so, he essentially intentionally crashed the economy, intentionally created a recession. Now, the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates now, not by nearly as much as it was during the Volcker shock period. But at the same time, I mean, the the economy, the capitalist class, really, the Wall Street banks have gotten so used to extremely, extremely low interest rates, essentially since the Great Recession. So maybe the effect may be similar. I mean, is that essentially where we're heading? Is, is the Fed going to more or less induce a recession in order to get this under control? Yeah, the basic answer to your question is yes. The spokespersons for the Fed and for the U.S. Treasury already last year in 2021 knew that they were losing control of an inflation. They had hoped there wouldn't be one. They were wrong. They then hoped it would be very temporary. We now know that was wrong. They were hoped it wouldn't get very high. Well, that is wrong. They hoped that if it was short and if it was shallow, this inflation, they could have what is called a soft landing of the economy. And by that, they mean if it was short and shallow, this inflation, well, then they could raise interest rates just a little, you know. Yeah, it would crimp the economy just a little, and that would do it, and that would bring this short, shallow inflation to an end. The longer the inflation has lasted and the deeper it has gotten us into difficulty, which it now has, the more they're going to have to raise interest rates because that's the only policy that the Republicans and the Democrats, both of them, are willing to discuss. It is a spectacle for me as an economist to observe. No dissension, no debate, no exploration, even just in words of the alternatives that are available to stop an inflation, to end an inflation. No, no, no. When Mr. Biden as president reappoints Mr. Powell, a Republican nominee as head of the Federal Reserve, and tells us, which Biden has done over and over again, as recently as last week, that it's in the hands of the Federal Reserve, which has told everybody its plan is to raise interest rates, then we know we have a capitalist class, no matter what political party, out of the two wings of the capitalist class, Republican or Democrat, makes no difference. And for me, as I say, it is a spectacle to watch because let's be real clear what happens when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates over a long period of time by big jumps, a quarter point, a half point, three quarters of a point, a whole point, and that's what we're being told is coming down the pike. It crashes the economy for a simple reason. As the interest rates go up, for example, buying a home, the vast majority of Americans, if they buy a home, have to borrow the money. The name of that kind of borrowing is called mortgages. The interest rate shapes how much you have to pay per month on your mortgage 
allowing you to own your own home. The interest rate has gone from over 2% to over 5% now. That means hundreds or thousands of dollars more per month to buy a home, which is why home purchases have fallen off a cliff. Americans cannot afford to borrow money at a high interest rate. So the demand for housing will crash. Now we turn to automobiles. The vast majority of Americans, when they buy either a new or a used car, they do so by borrowing the money, paying off the car or the truck over time, monthly payments. As interest rates go up, the monthly payment for the same car that you purchase at the same price will go up. If, by the way, cars' prices are being raised by the car producers, or if homes are being raised by the home producers, well, the problem's even worse, because then you're going to have to pay more in terms of the higher price of the home or the car, plus the higher interest rate for the loan. And you know it just goes on and on. And the hope is that when you make it very expensive for people to borrow money, they won't do it. They won't be able to afford it. So they'll do without the home they had hoped for. They'll do without the new or used car they need to get to and from their job. They'll do without, they'll do without, they'll do without. And the working class, therefore, faces a very old question. Are you going to take it, what the capitalist system dishes out to you, a job over which you have no control, an income from that job that is determined by your employer, and now an interest rate and a price, it's too much. And the real question is only whether the working class will tolerate that in this country. Everybody is holding their breath to get the answer. Now, I should be careful here to explain to people who may not be familiar with it what the other ways are to control or end an inflation other than raising interest rates that crash the economy, close businesses down, throw workers out of their jobs, and so on. I'm going to give you two. There are more than two, but I'm going to give you two which I have chosen because we have used them here in the United States. One was imposed by a Democratic president. The other was imposed by a Republican president. And it's a sign of how far to the right our society has shifted that these Republican and Democratic alternatives I'm about to lay out for you have not even been brought for discussion, let alone acted on by Mr. Biden or, for that matter, by any Republican leader. Here's the first one. We're in the middle of World War II. We're fighting the Germans. We've got a problem. In order to fight the Germans and the Japanese and the Italians, our enemies in World War II, we needed to divert many productive resources, land, 
railroads, steel factories, workers had to be diverted from producing the consumer goods that they had been doing all their lives to instead producing goods to fight a war. Instead of clothing for children, uniforms for soldiers. Instead of steel for automobiles, steel for guns and cannons and ships and planes, etc., etc., which meant that the resources left to produce consumer goods were drastically reduced. And that meant there would be, everybody knew it, many fewer consumer goods available for the American people. But the American people were still there. They were still eating and drinking and wearing clothes and occupying homes and driving their cars. How were you going to handle the reduction in the supply of consumer goods when there were so many people who needed and wanted them? They could have let the market decide. You know, that religious theme of the American society, the market. They could have left it to the market. But we all know what happens if you leave scarcity to the market. Up go the prices. That's what's happening now. Up go the prices. So Mr. Roosevelt, the president, Democrat in the war, said the following. We cannot let the market decide who gets the scarce consumer goods, because the rich will do what the rich always do, bid up the prices so that they get them, and the middle and the lower income, the vast majority of our people, will be unable to afford the higher prices. You know what's happening now. And Mr. Roosevelt said that'll produce bitterness, envy and disunity here in this country, and we cannot fight a war that way. Or to be more honest, we can't win one if we're divided at home. So here's what he did. To prevent an inflation from even getting underway, he basically said, we're not going to use the market. You're not going to be able to buy a gallon of gas for your car, a quart of milk for your breakfast, a pound of potatoes, a bag of sugar, whatever, with money, and thereby bid up the price if it's scarce. We're going to issue ration cards, ration books, ration stamps, they were called. And we're going to hand them out to the people according to what they need. If you got a family with a lot of children, you're going to get a lot of stamps to buy milk. And when you go to the store, the only way the storekeeper can sell you milk is if you have a ration stamp. You can't bid up the price. If you don't have a stamp, you don't get the milk. And we had no inflation. Problem solved. Now, let me give you the second example. It's 1971. President Nixon Republican in office. We have a terrible, catastrophic inflation. And President Nixon goes on the radio and television and he says, we have a terrible inflation. It is hurting our country. It is hurting 
the average citizen, it's got to stop. Not six months from now. No, 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 none of that. It's got to stop tomorrow morning. And so here's what then Republican conservative Nixon said. As of tomorrow morning, any business that raises the price of anything it sells, we will arrest you and you will go to jail. Any worker or union that demands and presses and gets a higher wage, we will do the same thing. This was called a price-wage freeze. And guess what? The inflation stopped on a dime. Nobody, it turned out, wanted to go to jail, and they weren't going to risk it by raising prices or wages. Now, people say correctly that there were problems with both rationing and wage price freezes. That's true. There are problems with each and every policy anyone ever came up with for anything. The point is not to say there are problems. The point is, let's talk about what the problems are with these alternative policies, who's helped, who's hurt, and what can we come up with as one or another or a combination of policies that would be democratically chosen and be fair to all that are involved. Inflations hurt people with limited budgets, not rich people who basically don't care if they pay a bit more or less. That's what it means to be rich. And likewise, rich people aren't much affected by rising interest rates because, again, since they're rich, if they have to pay a bit more for the loan they need, they will. The people savaged by a rising interest rate solution are middle income and poor people. So once again, we see that we live in what Bernie Sanders called a rigged system. It doesn't work as well for the mass when it's doing pretty well, and it really whacks the mass of people when it has problems. And the rich and the corporations at the top keep laughing all the way to the banks in which they are accumulating the money that makes them rich. It is sad to have to tell you this, but if I don't, then you live in a world led by Republicans and Democrats who want us to believe that raising interest rates is the only way, the universally applauded way to deal with a devastating inflation. It never was that. It isn't that now. And only we will be fooled and impoverished if we allow this fakery to go unchallenged. Professor Wolf, one last question before we wrap up. I mean, could this economic crisis that we're talking about, this impending economic crisis, I mean, could it even have global dimensions? I was reading that 
For instance, the European Central Bank is raising interest rates aggressively, planning to do that at their next two meetings. Their interest rates are negative, and so this will bring them out of negative interest rate territory. In the underdeveloped world, in in large parts of Asia, Africa, and Latin America, the situation, especially with food prices, is, is truly terrible. I mean, people can't get the bare, bare necessities. I mean, could this have global dimensions? I mean, it already is to a certain extent having a global character. Could that deepen? It is. As you yourself say, you're quite right. It already is. Third world countries, as we used to call them, Asia, Africa, Latin America, borrowed enormous sums over recent years, encouraged to do so, by the way, by the Western banks who led to them, by the countries like the U.S., who urged them to do it, sometimes tying foreign aid to their doing it. They borrowed. Then they borrowed to try to cope with COVID. Then they borrowed to try to cope with this inflation. You now raise interest rates on them. They cannot pay. The only way to get the money to pay the debt they have would be to stop feeding their people and use the money instead to pay debts. And if they try to do that, there will be revolutions in these countries, and the revolutions will be led by people who are not friendly to capitalism. Jamie Dimon, the head of the J.P. Morgan Bank in New York City, referred last week to what he saw coming as an economic hurricane. His word, not mine. So yeah, we are in a global crisis, and you're beginning to see political shifts Last Sunday, the 12th of June, in national elections in France, the president of the country got only one-tenth of one percent more votes than the far left-wing critic of that president. I mean, the left is emerging as a very powerful, perhaps decisive, political force in France. You're going to see more and more of that because capitalism is in very deep trouble. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolff. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.